Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and Dustin Ragusa is not with us today, but I am joined by my brother, Cameron Webb. Cameron, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on in, in such short notice. Dustin is uh, on vacation out of the country, and uh, I thought, what better person to have on than the person that I've talked outside of Dustin? I've talked OSU football and OSU sports with you the most, so it felt natural to me. So thank you for, for being here and coming in. Yes, sir. Right. Yep. We're, we're bringing the web family group chat to life. They're going to take a live look in on our Saturdays. So it's going to be awesome. <laughs> our Saturdays, our Monday nights, our Wednesday nights, whenever OSU's yeah. playing. Yeah. And you mentioned the web family group chat that, that thing can tend to pop off a little bit, especially as you know, basketball winds down and a little bit disappointing, but yeah, that's, that's funny. It's um, well, it's good to have you on Cameron people. You know, I feel like I talk about you on this podcast a lot. Dustin knows you well. Um, but our listeners don't. And so I think I want to give you the floor a little bit. Introduce yourself. I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I've got a couple of questions for you that will kind of break the ice for our listeners. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so my name is Cameron. Uh, I am 23 years old. Cade's brother. I just graduated from college last year. Uh, I'm living up in Kansas City uh, doing a sales job up here, and it's been good times. So, uh, I mean, me and Cade have been diehard Oklahoma State fans since, I mean, three years old so uh this is a big part of ours and uh, that's just pretty much it when i think of you and oklahoma state cameron like i think back to your the plastic helmet that we grew up with the white <laughs> osu plastic helmet um and there there was an orange pom-pom if you remember that uh yeah, yeah those were good times those were good <laughs> yeah. times in the front yard uh yep. playing with the osu football i mean we we do go back and I mean, I was trying to think, uh, you know, I go down memory lane when I start thinking about us and Oklahoma State, and I was trying to rack my brain. I remember my first Oklahoma State game. It was 2003 against Colorado in Stillwater. I'm sure I attended others before that, but that was the first one that I remember. So what was the first Oklahoma State football game that you remember? a really good question i have a lot of really vague memories in the old like non-closed in bleachers of yeah. picking stadium but they're not clear and i can't really think of the teams that they're playing but i can see <laughs> where we were sitting i would say the first game i have really vivid memory of it's probably a little bit later than you're thinking unless you played sam houston state one year it might have been the rep <laughs> bomar year actually what um, a pull that is exactly yeah. it <laughs> And I think it was because we had moved to Connecticut when I was still really young, moved back to Wichita. And I think That's that was right. like my first like formative, like wow. I can comprehend what's going on. Wow. Yeah. Cause you would have, you would have only been like eight years old at that time. And Correct. so I remember they were building the West ends or they were building the far side. Um, that, so that would be the North side, um, like press box area. They were building the North side suites yeah, during that game. So yeah. yeah, we go way back. And I did yeah. have another, as I was racking my brain, thinking about fun memories over the years. I mean, Cameron, we, we've been going to, I mean, we've had season tickets. We lived in Wichita and Kansas city all through the 2010s uh, early or late two thousands. So we've been going to Oklahoma state football games for, I mean, darn near 15 years together now. And there is yeah. one, there's one memory that stands out, but I want to give you the chance. What is your biggest, most fond Oklahoma state football memory? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? I think it's gotta be 2011 Bedlam storming the field at a pretty young age. I mean, that's a, that's the one that'll stick with me forever. Um, yeah, that one was awesome. I, in my very young brain, was big enough of a fan 
as the goalpost was being ripped down on the field, I ran over to the bottom of that, grabbed a handful of turf and stuffed it into my pocket. And that bag of turf is still in my dresser. So don't go questioning where my fanhood is, how deep the roots go. I literally have a bag of turf in my dresser about after storming the field at Bedlam. And that's as OSU as it gets. So. Well, that was actually the memory that stood out to me was that there are very few people, I would think, with a Ziploc bag that's, you know, 11 years old at this point with, with a bunch of rubber pellets in them. I, I yeah and it, it's just kind of taking up space at this point I more keep it so me you and dad can joke around about it but I do have it and it's still something that I think is awesome that I was like 11 years old probably and still had the wherewithal to think about so I'm pretty proud I, of that actually I remember that so vividly you you came back up in the stands and you just had all these these turf pellets falling out of your pocket and it was it's the turf <laughs> from the 2011 bedlam game it's like you were you were a young child and you were like i have to go do this and so that way i have something to remember this game by and that that was actually the memory i was hinting at i had a feeling you were going to bring that up it's been a web family inside joke for years so um that's awesome um but cameron I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're here. This is fun. This is unique yeah. for us. I'm actually going to, I'm going to be with you this weekend. So fired up about that being up in Kansas city for some final four basketball and all that stuff, but I want to get into it. I want to get into yeah. all of this and I want to start with Mike Gundy's contract. I mean, Dustin for, for being gone this week, he might've missed the most news that broke in a <laughs> five day period, uh, maybe in the history of the feels like 45 podcast. So Dustin, I'm sorry. Uh, but obviously glad that you're here Cameron but uh in 2022 Gundy is going to receive 7.46 million dollars and the and the value of his contract over yep. 5 years is 38.25 million dollars i mean Cameron your your first reaction when you see that my first reaction was i think it's awesome uh, i've been a i've been a gundy truther forever i've you been have. consistent i've been consistent in it i've been the most consistent out of the family even and you're a big gundy guy but i've never wavered so this is a big vindication hey what i me. say to you versus what i say <laughs> to our listeners is a totally different thing okay yeah, yeah yeah i'll watch it um yeah no but uh you know when you look at the big 12 right now and the coaches and the, the turnover in coaches since he started there's no reason he shouldn't be the highest paid in my opinion we don't really know what dave aranda makes so maybe he's making more than that at Baylor. But I mean, when you look at it, like I think he probably gained a lot of leverage when Venables walked in and started making a little bit more than him. And he's like, Hey, he hasn't coached a game in the big 12. So um, I look at it as it's, it's Casey Shrum and, and Chad Weiberg saying we're here to play. We're, we're a big boy program. Now we're going to, and, and Gunny's been a top 10 coach for the past 15 years now. So it, it's, it's well overdue. Um, and I, I, I think it's pretty awesome. Well, I love that you kind of hit on Weiberg and Casey Shrum there because I think it's it's becoming increasingly obvious. We've had this question a couple of times, like what Mike Gundy meant when he talked about Oklahoma State taking the next step, moving into that next level of 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 big boy football. And, you know, it starts by paying your head coach seven and a half million dollars a year. I mean, that is an eye popping number. Um, and I actually tweeted this out. And, and I know you know this. There are a lot of OSU fans. There are OSU fans close to us that, that think of OSU as a stepping stone yeah. job still to this day. And, you know, when you think of a stepping stone job for me, like I think of it in, in like the stature of the job. Like I don't really think of it as the program. Like and truthfully, how many like destination jobs are there in college football? That's something that we could get into, but probably on a different different podcast and maybe over a couple yeah. of years this weekend but <laughs> there is there's a commitment here and it, it comes with upgrading facilities which we'll get to it comes with paying your head coach what he's worth and i i have no argument with this and and so to kind of cap off that stepping stone point if you're going to pay seven and a half million dollars to your head football coach that automatically makes you not a stepping stone job. That makes you a destination right. job, in my opinion. Yeah. If you're paying that much, that makes you a destination job. Yeah, it, I mean, it takes you out of the stepping stone conversation for sure. In the grand scheme of things, there's probably 
four or five jobs that any right. coach would leave their job for. And, and that's just how it is. But like past that, like past the absolute blue bloods, um, the teams that are paying $7 million for their head coach, that's not a stepping stone. You look around it. It's like, a and I mean, it's like, it's yeah, teams right. like that where with a lot more money we thought than Oklahoma state. So um, no, I think it's <laughs> awesome. I think it shows a lot of commitment. Um, and I mean, after this past season, what, what more, what questions do you have now about Gunny? Yeah. Because that season was dead in the dirt for the first three games. It felt like, I mean, we were, we were hitting the panic button and yeah. it was bad and he pulls out a 12 win season. Like, what, I mean, what, what more can you ask for? So that's where I'm at on it. I think it's pretty awesome. No, I'm with you. I, I think it's a great testament to what he's built um, and a testament to where Oklahoma state's going. And that's really kind of where I wanted to take this conversation. Garen was like, Okay, now you've you've made a another commitment. They've they've said that Mike Gundy is going to be the highest paid coach in the Big Twelve. What do you expect now? There was a lot of conversation, you know, on Twitter and and uh, between some other people about, um, you know, you've only got one Big Twelve championship to show for it. What's your what's your gut check on that just line right there? It's. <laughs> That's it's a kind of a cop out when you look back at Mike Gundy's career. It stinks, and there should be more of them. There's no excusing that. But like, I feel like a lot of people do forget the years where before Gundy, where it felt like we were eternally six and six, right? And it oh, felt like that's sure. what it's gonna be. You mean and you then, mean the Sam Houston State game? Those exactly. years, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, do we not remember the first time like Zach Robinson went nine and three, and we saw a ranking next to Oklahoma State's <laughs> name, and like not. Like, I remember that being awesome, and, like, Gundy's made all these huge steps. I feel like, you know, the steps we're entering now are kind of what we expected 2011 to be just because yeah, of the financial so. commitment we're seeing from OSU. Um, it just feels like everyone's kind of on the same page. The next step does need to be Big 12 championships, playoff first. Um, I hope it's coming. I think it's coming. Uh, but for my immediate reaction, it's you got to be in Dallas this year. And also for the foreseeable future, at least around the idea of going to the Big 12 championship. Yeah, I think you're to the point where the years you don't make the Big 12 title or the years that maybe you have an off year and go eight and four, seven and five, the chirping gets louder and louder. And so that's the one thing that I'm curious about is the longevity of, you know, I mean, th that's a huge commitment, seven and a half million dollars. Yeah. So, um, you know, it'll be something to keep an eye on is just the temperature of some of the conversations and some of the opinion towards Mike Gundy and the program. If for some reason they do take a step back, you know, in the coming years, I'm with you. I think, I think to follow up a contract like that in a year where you're going to make uh, seven and a half million dollars, you, you probably need to make it to Dallas, especially when OU is, uh, you know, kind of yeah. in flux right now. Um, so so I'm, I'm with you on that. Any other thoughts on, on Gundy's contract? Cause I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the transfer puddle that is no longer if you're, if you're good <laughs> with that. Yeah, I know this is, I feel so bad for Dustin. He's missing <laughs> the biggest revolution of this podcast, the transfer portal coming to life. Uh, no, I'm good on Gundy though. We can go ahead and move on. Yeah. I mean, the gates, they have opened, <laughs> sir. I, I, of course, Dustin would be gone this week. He's been scouring the transfer portal <laughs> for months, telling us of every new entrant on the offensive line, like breaking it down for me. Uh, and so he's not here to do that, but <laughs> it's almost like he did all the hard work and you and I are going to get the glory for it. So Dustin, thank you for what you've done up until this point. Um, because actually there are two names on the list of transfer portal Um if you go back to our previous podcast back several months, we were talking about guys named Prince Pines and Jason Queso Brooks. Those two names should not be, they should be familiar uh, to you if you're a feels like 45 podcast listener. So let's just go down the list, Cameron. I mean, Prince Pines, a, a Baylor transfer uh, to Sam Houston state and then to Oklahoma state, um, a, a tank, on the inside at 6'5", 340. He's a sophomore. Looks like he's going to have three years of eligibility left. Was really probably all number one on my list of, of wants on the offensive line and uh, is, is all name team as well. So this, this is a big one. And I think for me, um, you know, if you go back and listen it, or if you recall, 
my biggest area of need was interior offensive line. And I think Prince Pines and Jason Brooks give you some depth there, but let's start with Prince Cameron. What was your, what was your takeaway from his commitment? Yeah, no, I was, I was super excited about it as well. Um, He was because of listening to your podcast. uh, He was (laughs) the one I was the most excited about. I liked that he had a lot of playing experience at Baylor also before Sam Houston state. And then, won a national championship there. So he's got the experience. He's been at a big 12 school um, coming in. I, that jump is big from Sam Houston state to, to the big 12 again, but the fact that he's gone from big 12 to Sam Houston state to big 12 again, makes me a little bit more comfortable with that. Um, so I like that. Uh, and he's absolutely massive. He, I mean, six, five, three, 40. He also plays with a, a total mean streak. If you haven't had the chance, I would highly encourage you uh, to go look at his game film. He is kind of the nasty interior offensive lineman. I think a lot of people have been clamoring for uh, myself included. He plays very angry and uh, is actually a native of Baton, Baton Rouge, which so is our very own Dustin Ragusa. So uh, I think that was uh, pretty exciting for him, but um yeah, I, I can't wait to see what Pines does. Again, I don't I don't know if any of these guys are instant starters. If I had to pick one, I think this might surprise you. It's probably Casey Collier. Again, we'll get to him. Um, but I think all of these guys, you know, just on the surface, add depth. Um, and so moving into Jason Queso Brooks, Again, another all-name team entrant, another interior offensive lineman, I expect, potentially playing on the opposite side uh, of Prince Pines on that, on that right side. Uh, 6'4", 295, a little bit undersized. Not necessarily undersized, but when you're comparing him to Prince Pines at 6'5", 340, uh, everybody's under, undersized at that point. Cameron, your, your takeaway from Jason Brooks. I like it. Uh, SEC guy. It's cool to get, you know, transfers from a place like Vanderbilt. Obviously they're bottom of the conference there, but um, no, I mean, any, it's kind of the same and we'll get to Casey Collier, but when you're getting transfers from, you know, power five conferences, you just immediately feel a little bit better about it. Um, I don't know a ton about him, uh, but I, I, I like what that he's got three years left. And uh, I think it just adds depth that we really, really needed. So I'm all for it. Yeah. So what's interesting about him, and this happens a lot of times, you get conflicting information on how big somebody actually is. Uh, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Vanderbilt's roster has him at 6'4", 295. There are other sources that have him at 6'4", 275. Whenever that happens, I would go ahead and split the difference. So we'll call him 6'4", 285. Um, but as a sophomore, he played in five games for Vanderbilt in 2021 and started against Tennessee. Um, and so should be probably outside of Prince Pines, the, the second most experienced guy, uh, but probably has the most valuable, you know, if you're if you're talking caliber of opponent, I would imagine that Queso Brooks film is a, is a little bit more um, yeah. well-rounded, maybe not better, but more well-rounded in terms of quality of opponent. So he also committed uh to vanderbilt uh, out of doby high school in houston texas over offers from unlv tulsa and boise state um so some familiar names too there like familiar caliber of uh program that you're up recruiting against cameron last one here casey collier um another mountain of a man at six seven three hundred a redshirt freshman transferring from USC, which is a little bit funny to me. I don't know why it's it. funny. It's funny though, right? Oh, it made me. It makes me smile. I I think it, it, anything right now involving USC uh, just is kind of funny to me. So uh, um, yeah, I, I I like this one a lot. And to be honest, it's strictly off of it, how big this dude is. He is a tank. So well, uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with something interesting about him, he played basketball in high school at six seven. He probably wasn't 300 at the time, but probably a 6'7", 250, 260. Could you imagine that guy posting you up? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I cannot. Um, so obviously transferred from the University of Southern California. Did not play a ton, but is an intriguing prospect. And I think is a pure bona fide like left tackle candidate. Might need to put a little weight on. I mean, again, 6'7", 300, it's just like that's – that's almost perfect uh, if you think yeah. about it. But I could see, like, if you look at him, he looks like a lean 
six, seven, 300, um, which is almost impossible to imagine. <laughs> he, he does. And so I will be curious to see where he sets up, but it leads to an interesting conversation, Cameron. And this is where I wanted to bring it all back to you look at the Oklahoma state offensive line depth chart right now and left tackle is still a little bit of a question mark, you know, and actually I won't even focus on left tackle tackle is a question mark with Tyrone Weber, uh, Caleb Etienne, Casey Collier. Those seem to be, and then Cole Birmingham, those seem to be your candidates right now. And you've got three guys that have never played for Oklahoma state in that group. So the addition of Casey Collier for me is, is a rest assured. Like it, it makes me sleep better at night knowing he's there. Yeah. Yeah. The depth there is huge. Just with how many question marks we had going into it. Uh, that's kind of just the, the feeling I have with all three of these guys. Like, again, I don't know. Offensive line is not my strong suit of knowledge, but like I, that was where I knew I was scared of going into the year. Um, I don't know if these guys are going to start, but they were all decently well recruited out of high school and they're all pretty sought after in the transfer portal. So, I mean, the depth there this year makes it uh, makes me feel just so much com- more comfortable going into this season. So, and we have to talk about this. I mean, all three of these guys visited together and committed that weekend. I mean, yeah. shout out to Charlie Dickey and Mike Gundy, whatever <laughs> they did this weekend, do that again. If you can get three guys on campus and get them to commit before they touch, touch down wherever they're headed back to, that's nasty. That's very good. And I think it raises the ceiling for this season. I think there was a little bit of concern about the depth on the offensive line. And of course, I mean, of course there was, but I think it almost puts you in a position where like, okay, success on the offensive line is now expected. That's kind of how I see it. It's not a, if the offensive line is good, they'll be back in Dallas. It's almost like because the offensive line is good, they need to be back in Dallas. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The only two holes this season going in before this week were offensive line and linebacker. And, you know, linebacker is still a little bit of a question mark, but I think they're going to be fine. But the offensive line being bolstered down like that and having those three guys come in, there's kind of no excuses on the offensive end this year because now it's pretty well-rounded everywhere. Uh, That was a a hole that could have been really bad for us this season. I think getting that one squared away, I mean, yeah, it, it's got to be back to Dallas. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, Cameron, we got a ton to get to still, but before we do that, I want to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, Cameron, so some interesting news that broke this weekend is a $40 million upcoming renovation to Boone Pickens Stadium. Of all the things you had on your list of, of things in the offseason, was that one of them? No, no, it was not. I expected new uniforms, uh, anything else. I, I mean, that stadium, it seems like just being around OSU for, I mean, 20 years now, like it seems not that long ago when we had that Georgia game and everything got 2009 and though, 2009. And it's crazy. And it, the thing is, is like in the grand scheme of things, it was due for a renovation. Uh, it's crazy to me, but uh, that's just how fast times times moving in college football. So. Yeah. And it's, it's an arms race, really. I mean, like if you're not building a stadium, if you're not consistently making adjustments to it, um, you're falling behind. And Mike Gundy talked about that a ton this last year, but um, some highlights to this, I think at this point, we've probably all heard them, but in case you haven't, they're going to put more aisles in, which was interesting to me. That wasn't, was that a common complaint 
to you was more aisles. No, because we've been walking the same aisle for the past fifth, <laughs> past 12 seasons since the stadium has been built. So I've never even thought of aisles. I just, walked yeah. And I guess our seats really are right there on the aisle. Yeah. And, and we've been sitting there since, since they renovated the stadium. So um, I guess I never really considered it. Um, also planning to widen the seats in Boone Pickens stadium, which should shrink capacity. Uh, I've seen a number around 55,000 floating around on that. Yeah. I mean, indifferent. I, the, the next steps at Boone Pickens stadium have all been about fan experience. So I get it. Um, but you know, I thought, you know, the 60,000 to 55,000, it makes me a little bit sad, but it's yeah. not a huge deal. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to make Boone Pickens Stadium as good of a fan experience as possible. So uh, it makes it makes sense if we need it. So uh, I, I can't I can't say much there. Yeah. Well, they actually say that the stadium's capacity because if you remember, they actually widened the seats already, and they're about to do it again, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So the the idea is that it's going to reduce from an existing capacity of 55,000 already. So it might be less than that, which leads us to a very interesting discussion that took place on Twitter this week. As you talk about um, new stadium upgrades, there is a master plan floating around on the deep (laughs) corners of the internet about an upper deck addition to Boone Pickens stadium. And this, this is not a, uh, like a fan did this like these, these are are real renderings from a long time ago that were prepared by some firm and so Cameron let me ask you your thoughts on adding an upper deck to Boone Pickens Stadium I'm strongly against it <laughs> like I don't know I there's something about Boone Pickens State like the thing is like we still have games where it's not sold out at 55,000. So if we yeah. first, we got to fix that problem. I mean, we've gotten better at it in the, this past season for sure, but there's a lot of things I don't like about it. Like at Bedlam this season was one of the craziest environments I've ever been in. Sorry, Kate. I don't like to bring up that you weren't there. Yeah. I know that was terrible <laughs> for you, but triggering something a bit. about, there's something about that stadium when it's crazy that you feel genuinely on top of the field. And that it's, it's not huge, but it feels scary. Like it feels kind of closed in and adding <laughs> two decks to the top of that. It's it, it will take that away completely. Like what you're going to see it is a, for one, not 80,000 people in a stadium because we're not going to fill that up on game to game basis. We would against like an OU, but that's gone in a couple of years. So where do you go after that? I think it one looks kind of bad <laughs> and two, <laughs> it's not going to be full. So I don't, I don't see the point of it against OU this year. If there's 80,000 people there, it would have been sick. So I do give those people that want that, that, that admission, but outside of that, it just doesn't necessarily make much sense to me at all. But well, so it's, it's interesting to me. $40 million is a large amount of money so the things that were included here like and and this is one that i i forgot forgot to mention increased runoff in the east end zone which i believe that means widening the sideline there in the corner of that end zone i can't i can't confirm that but i'm sure it's not about like rainwater i'm (laughs) sure it's about like the area yeah (laughs) the area in which a player has to stop themselves because that corner is actually where a lot of the collisions between the sideline wall and players happen. So um, that's interesting, but I mean, I would think to cut concrete out of like to remove a wall like that. And I think that would take a lot. So it's not going to impact the 2022 season, which again, makes me think that this is going to be kind of a, a large scale thing that takes place. Um, It sounds like it's going to start in the next year. There's also new turf coming, Cameron, a new field. I'm excited for that. I am too. And my one thing that I need out of this, I think we're both going to be on the same page here. It's a bright orange end zone and curse of Cowboys in the middle of that. I, I would love nothing more. I feel like that's where things are going. I don't know if that's what they do, but um, I would be all for that. I mean, the turf lasts about 10 years. I think when they replaced this turf, the first time it was going into the 20, 
2013, 2014 season. So that's eight years uh, with a turf field. I would be curious to see if they go with something like that, but that's what I want. I've also, we've also talked about this thought that this would be the year that Oklahoma state football gets new uniforms. Shoot still could happen. There's a long off season ahead of us, but I think cursive Cowboys is kind of their thing. Now I think the athletic department is pushing that pretty heavily. Don't you? It's everywhere. Like, I mean, every, like, well, first off, everything that I'm buying right now has cursive Cowboys on it. So they're (laughs) clearly in the stores. I see it everywhere. You see it on coaches hats and stuff like that. Um, And and yeah, it's everywhere. And I think, I think it's about the most universally agreed upon Oklahoma state logo. Like there's been some pretty divisive ones. Like I was a Marshall badge guy. Some guys weren't Um, (laughs) Phantom Pete is very divisive. I don't like it, but I think curse of Cowboys has everyone on board. And even like my friends that aren't Oklahoma state fans at all, they look at those helmets or whatever. And they think it looks awesome. I think you're right. They're probably tipping their cap to that coming. You touched on something. What we should open the podcast with is your power rankings of OSU logos. So people could have really got to know you. We should have done that next time. We'll do it next (laughs) time. Um, So a very interesting deal here. Uh, Again, a $40 million renovation beginning after this upcoming season. Um, Will be very interesting to see what it does to the layout of Boone Pickens Stadium. Um, Hopefully nobody's losing their seats or being moved um, because that tends to happen when things like this take place. So um, there's been a lot of shuffling in Boone Pickens Stadium lately between the COVID year, uh, the re- the widening of seats the year before that. Uh, so I'm excited to see really kind of what their master plan is. They've made a ton of adjustments to the concourse level. Um, there's also a pending West end zone redevelopment, a football operations center adjustments to the locker room. Um, that's already been announced. So there's a lot going on in, in football right now. And um, I can't wait to see really what kind of the, the end result is there. Um, that's kind of all I got on, on that Cameron um, before we move into the basketball transfer portal, which the gates Oh, they have opened there too, my friend. <laughs> um, I did want to say a quick thank you. Uh, to a sponsor of the podcast, Price Buckley. Price is with Edward Jones and is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley. And that's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Cameron, I mean, (laughs) the floodgates have opened in all of the portals. If there's a portal, the gates have opened. And that's the case in basketball as well. Um, We said this would be the case uh, last week as the NCAA tournament wind down to a close. And there's guys entering left and right. I mean, it's, it's actually almost impossible to try to discuss the people entering and exiting at any given time you and i actually had a a list and before this podcast we were scratching people (laughs) off that list so i really kind of want to ask you who's your wish list like you could pick one guy right now that's in the portal not a guy that enters the portal potentially who's in the portal right now that you want my one guy is Sean McNeil, and it's honestly not that close. Uh, I, I really like him. He He's averaging like 12 points a game for the past two seasons, uh, and he's kind of a perfect fit for what we need right now. He's not a great shooter, but he's a pretty good shooter. Like I think he was like 38% or something like that this past year. Um, so I really like Sean McNeil. That's by far my number one on my wish list. Um, what about you? I think Sean McNeil is high on my list as well. Um, I – I think he fits the perfect mold of what Oklahoma state's going to go for um, right now. I think there's been discussion of a revamp of the offense. That's been a rumor. Well, not really a rumor. Mike Boynton said he was going to, he said he was going to overhaul the offense. <laughs> no, so no, he told us. <laughs> yeah, no, he said that he said that out loud. Let's not forget that. Um, and it's with good reason. They, they have for a long time been building around um, a, a philosophy of length and athleticism, often at times sacrificing offensive execution. And, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, 
schools of thought about that. But, you know, it's a long way of saying Oklahoma State needs more Sean McNeils. They probably need yeah. two Sean McNeils, one to handle the ball and one not. And so he's just a perfect example of what I think Oklahoma State needs. And I think they can get him. I do think I they do can. He I was do. recruited by Oklahoma State out of junior college, was successful at West Virginia, but often like he was most successful when he had a good point guard to facilitate for him. When he was with Deuce McBride last year, he was very potent. He was very tough yeah. to guard. This year, not so much. And so I would be ecstatic to see Oklahoma State land him. And they're going to need, um, again, another facilitating point guard. And so I'm curious to see where they turn. Cameron, I also, as we've been sitting here, a little bit of news broke that Oklahoma State is in the <laughs> top eight for a five-star Leonard Miller. And he is a 6'9", 195-pound small forward out of Fort Erie, Ontario. And again, 6'8", 195. Yeah, 6'9", 195. So, so sound, sounds a little bit like Keelan Boone, but uh, it is what it is. So, you know, I just I just had to say that as we were recording that it literally popped up on my timeline as I was speaking. But I would take Sean McNeil. Jalen Bridges is another one that's interesting to me. As you look at these intra-conference um transfers they're becoming a little bit more frequent like it's not abnormal to see a player in the big 12 transfer to a big 12 school it actually happened for Oklahoma State twice and so yeah. Jalen Bridges is an interesting one I don't think OSU needs help at the four but do they need a stretch three that can like stroke it from three yeah I mean you'll take him I must have missed that I did not see that he entered the portal at all he did he did that's awesome um has he, has he taken any visits anywhere have you heard like anything on on schools not yet and it's weird like that because they in the in the basketball transfer portal you don't hear a ton about it until somebody's like committed so it's a little strange in that regard. well our guy Justice Hill he yeah. he yeah. entered the transfer portal and it was literally we texted each other about it we were like hey this guy's someone that we reached out to and literally 30 minutes after the text happened he already committed seems yeah. like it moves much quieter than college football at least it absolutely does and it's funny that you bring justice hill up because he was one that we had to scratch off the list because by um, the time he enters the portal and i had read that oklahoma state had reached out to him it was already too late. He followed his coach to LSU. And so you can't blame him, but um, it does make this segment more difficult to talk about. I will say <laughs> there's one guy in particular. And again, this is the season of, I've made this joke a few times of players getting contacted like <laughs> every day, every hour, there's a tweet about all the schools that a transfer has heard from. And so that is just, it's just part of this season. And so, or part of this time of the year. Um, and so you'll see Oklahoma state linked to 20, 30, 40 guys, and they'll get two. Um, but Karen, I did want to run you down Sean McNeil's list real quick. If, if I can interest you in that, just yeah. some names that uh, jump off the page a little bit early, Texas, Texas tech, Iowa state, Oklahoma state, Kansas state, Indiana, Louisville, Virginia, Ohio State, Florida. It's a lot of Big 12. <laughs> it's a lot of That's Big half the Big 12. That's half crazy. of the Big 12 wants Sean McNeil, which is amazing. It's just such a such a wild time to be uh talking about transfer portal as players are shuffling around conference teams with no penalty. It's wild. Um Cameron outside of Sean McNeil. It's wild. It seemed like it seemed, oh sorry. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead, Cam. It seemed non-existent until these past couple of years. And then you look up and last year we get, uh, we get Bryce Thompson and then the dude from Texas Tech, I'm blanking on his name, but Tyrese, like yeah. it, ha it happens and it already has become normal. Like there was no like middle ground for it. It was like instantly from never happening to pretty much how basketball is going to be from now on. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and speaking of Jalen Bridges has also heard from Oklahoma state. So some interesting movements going on here. I don't, I don't think there's anything imminent in the transfer portal right now. I would again expect as, as time moves on more and more and more players enter uh, and Oklahoma state is contacting more and more and more of them. So um, we'll be sure to keep you updated as, as things change and uh, as, as players get reached out to, but for now, the list is, uh, is actually not crazy long. You've got Justin Hill from Longwood. You've got Sean McNeil, Jalen Bridges, 
Caleb Asbury from Texas State. Um, and there's a couple of others, but it's it's uh, yeah. Anyway, there's a ton going on there. Um, Garen, any any final thoughts on the transfer portal? Uh, no, I'm all good there. Um, moving on, one final segment before we move on to listener questions. And people were gracious. We we have a a wealth of listener questions this week, which is partially why we're moving a little faster this week because there's a lot to get to, which is exciting. But I have to tell you this: Mel Kiper this last week was talking about Jelani Woods. I know. And this is Jelani has kind of become like the. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's a, almost a sore subject among Oklahoma yeah. State fans, right? No, it, it, it makes me sad. <laughs> it makes me very sad. And it's not even from a – it's just there is a total disagreement among fans, maybe even coaches, about what he could have done at Oklahoma State. Like there's a, there's a school of people that think, well, he couldn't catch. So, like, good on him for learning to catch. And then there's another school of thought that's like, Oklahoma State just let Antonio Gates walk out the front door. So it's it's a little yeah. bit uh, somewhere in the middle, I think. I'm not quite to Antonio Gates, but I did <laughs> feel like the whole time we let an NFL tight end walk out and not really do anything at OSU. That It makes me sad. I, I, really, I was a Jelani guy. I also was very aware that he wasn't great at catching, but when you have a guy that's that big of a nat- matchup problem, you got to try. And I think what we're seeing now, like if I think if we had him on the roster right now, we would start throwing to him. I feel like I've seen a little bit more out of the Cowboy backs when we start when we threw Green out there this past season and actually used him a little bit. I feel like that's opening up a little bit uh, for the future, but like it just felt like for me the entire time, like the second he transferred, it felt like it, another Blake Jarwin for me, like just an NFL tight end that wasn't really a part of our offense at all so right right well I actually you know I thought this for a long time about Jelani that there, there might have been issues um with with the whole catching the football thing but but clearly not and it I don't really have much yeah. of a take on it I just wanted to run it past you and get your opinion on it because well he Fourth round tight end is Virginia, nuts. So yeah. yeah, he caught the ball a lot at Virginia this year. So he's going to get drafted. And I mean, you also, he definitely can't catch if you don't throw it to him. So yeah, maybe they have bigger footballs out there, bigger footballs maybe. for bigger brains. I don't know. Um, maybe. So it's, it's interesting for sure. I mean, Jelani, I mean, at, at, a, at a fourth round pick, I mean, he was recruited out of high school to be a quarterback. That's, that's a pretty cool story. So wish the best yeah. for him and uh, can't wait to keep an eye on the draft coming up and Cameron, we, we forgot a, a big one in basketball, <laughs> Anthony black. Yeah, we did Anthony yeah. black, Arkansas. I, that was not what I saw coming at all. What did you, I what did like you have coming? Gonzaga. I, I felt like, I don't know. I, it was, it was not going to happen for <laughs> like the past three weeks. So I was pretty confident about that, but I don't know. That one was weird to me. I don't understand what's going on with Arkansas right now. I, I, I like Eric Musselman. I, I know you think he's got a lot going on <laughs> on the sidelines, but uh, I'm a big Musselman guy, but I don't know. I mean, three, five stars in one recruiting class is pretty wild. Um, I don't know. I was pretty shocked about it because of what they have coming in. So well, I thought he was Gonzaga. Um, so I, I, I'm shocked by it. I I was not shocked by Arkansas. There was some rumblings over the last couple of days that like maybe something had changed and by something, you know what I'm saying. And um, it's interesting. (laughs) We just live in that world now where NIL is, is just part of it. And you know, that we may never know, but it was pointing Gonzaga for a long time and Arkansas really, there was not much momentum there. I hadn't heard uh, hadn't read, hadn't observed until like the last hour. And even uh, one of the current commits said on Twitter, you gave me five days to recruit him. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, I only bring that up. It may be a little sour grapes, but it's just what we, it's the world we live in right now. You're going to get Cade Cunningham's yeah. and you're going to not get Anthony Black's and, and vice versa. You're going to win some and lose some. And you pointed to something, Cameron, that I do want to talk about. Eric Musselman is a, a colossal goober. Yeah, he is. 
He's definitely a dork. Um, I like him. I've listened listened to him on other podcasts. I think he's a good coach, and he seems he seems like to me the one. There's a lot of coaches right now doing a lot on the sidelines and oh, really man. showing it. And it, but he seemed like kind of a genuine one to me. I, I feel like you're disagreeing, but I don't know. I, I've I've been a Musselman guy just because I, I kind of like Arkansas for some reason, but I don't disagree that he's genuinely passionate. I definitely think he's passionate. <laughs> I just think he's genuinely very awkward and like a lot. I, his energy is um, nonstop, which is great. Great for him. I wish I had that level of energy every day. Um, but it's he also like, like, he's like he, visibly sad on the sidelines. He, started he, losing. he sat down and had his hands in his head as the game was still going with like seven minutes left. And it wasn't over. Like we have seen crazier things, but they might as well have just like taken their uniforms off and walked to the locker room at that point, because he was done coaching at that point. And um, yeah, I, I rag on Musselman because he, he is an easy target. He's, I, I just think he knows the cameras are on. It's almost like it's the way I look at urban Meyer and it's the way, like, there are times I feel that way about, like, Coach K. Like, I think he knows the camera. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's a hot take. That may not sit well with our listeners, but <laughs> it's how I feel. So, anyway, not a muscleman guy. And that might be my Twitter handle for the next week. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, Oklahoma State's going to figure it out. It's, it's like I told Dustin last week, and I, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. You take a, an Anthony Black, who was, you know, top 20 recruit, was actually on the backside of 20. So I think he was I think he was number 22 um, yeah. nationally. That's not Cade Cunningham. You Do you take an Anthony Black or do you hope you get like a like, would you rather have Anthony Black this coming year or Sean McNeil? I've gone back and forth on it quite a bit um, with if it's between Sean. McNeil for this year specifically I definitely go Sean McNeil um I I still thought like Anthony Black Anthony Black wouldn't have walked in and been Kate Cunningham and that's very obvious but um you know it's more expecting it for the year two and year three like he could have been like a Marcus Smart and been here for two years and had a crazy second year who knows you know so that's why I I this next year, I definitely want a Sean McNeil. If we could have gotten him for two years, I would rather have two years of Anthony Black. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Anthony Black is probably not a one-and-done type of guy. Yeah. Um, could be, which is surprising. I thought he might go to the uh, G League because of, like, that whole dynamic, but didn't end up going there. goes to Arkansas. So, anyway, I bring that up because I, I have this feeling that um, – the, the thing that's going to help Oklahoma State win right now and and really kind of maybe even keep the Mike Boynton doubters at bay, which it's kind of crazy that there's a growing population of that, but there is. Um, yep. you, need, you need more Sean McNeils, more Avery Andersons, more Bryce Thompsons, yeah. and, and maybe fewer Anthony Blacks. He needs to win now. He needs to get Oklahoma State yeah. back in the tournament after a postseason ban. They have to be in the tournament next year. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. Uh, my thing, just, it's still new to me being in on five stars. I'll, it, I'll it say is, it. So it is being weird. in on five stars, and now that we had one and it was so fun, it's, I, I want more of them. <laughs> so that's why I think I, I was, I, I come a little bit more sad about it, but um, I don't know. It, no, it's I, it's I new it. to us, I get it. but we're, we're going to get more five stars, so I'm not worried about about it and for an immediate fit he wasn't a terrible one to miss out on yeah no I, I love it um Cameron let's go ahead and move on into our our listener questions of the week I want to start with Twitter I know we've got a couple voice questions I want to get to but I want to start with Twitter um because I mean there's there's just so many um and actually I think this is a um a good starting point I know we talked a little bit about this, so we can kind of take this a, a slightly different direction. But from the 1012 Network, our parent company, so shout out to them. If and when Anthony Black doesn't pick Oklahoma State, he didn't. Who are the point guard targets for Mike Boynton? I don't have a list of point guard targets, but Cameron, do you think that a an Avery Anderson or a point guard to be determined later is the best option for 2022. 
it's so hard. I don't know. Like we saw Avery was just better off the ball. So we know that, but there's just a lot of question marks. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what's out there. So for me, it's just a tough one. I, we know Avery's better off the ball. So probably give me a to be determined point guard. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. I kind of look back to last year where severe Wheeler was in the transfer portal and ended up at Kentucky. He had two years of eligibility remaining and he was one that I pointed to. He's like, they need him badly. Yeah. We thought maybe um, Avery Anderson could handle the point guard duties kind of shifting back into that role. I'm with you, man. I think it's very clear that he is best served himself and Oklahoma State basketball when he is not handling the ball. So sure. um, I don't know who that target is, but I I would be really surprised if Avery Anderson – and frankly, I'd be a little disappointed if Avery Anderson was your number one option at point guard next year. So anyway. Yeah, I think, if that, I think if that happens, it would feel like we missed what we needed this year. So I, I've changed my answer to definitely a point guard to be. The case, so. <laughs> As you sit here and think about it, yeah. you go from a probably yeah. to a definitely. And it's just hard because I do love Avery Anderson. So I want to pick my guys, but also we know what's best. So yeah, definitely point guard to be determined. All right. Here's one from Matt Claxton at road crew one. Using the scale of best QBs in OSU history, how excited are you for the offensive line now after the two transfers committing in the last 24 hours? So add, add another one to that as Prince Pines committed. So I'll read that again. Using the scale of best QBs in OSU history, how excited are you for the offensive line now after the two transfers committing in the last 24 hours? Cameron? Dude, I've been excited for this question. <laughs> I saw it the <laughs> other day. My answer, and I'm, I think it's a good one. I got Zach Robinson. I'm a Zach Robinson amount of excited for this offensive line. Wow. We should have said it at the same time. Um, <laughs> so part of these listener questions, I don't like to look at them beforehand, and I don't like to talk to Dustin or you, Cameron, about them beforehand because I want to answer them honestly. And there's sometimes where Dustin and I, I will tell him, let's say it on three, one, two, three. And we should have done it there because I'm yeah, with you. Sure. I am, I am a Zach Robinson level of excited. Um, yeah. Maybe even a, um, ooh, maybe even like a Donovan Woods level of excited. I don't even know if I'm full Zach. I, I think it changes. I get the, that. It changes the trajectory of the offense. I think going forward, it gives you depth going forward on the offensive line even after this upcoming year. So maybe I'm a, uh, who is, who is Zach Robinson's backup? Can we, can we get that pulled up? Bobby Reed. Oh, it was Bobby Reed. The first time. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't it know was... who it was the years after, but it was Bobby Reed. Well, it wasn't Bobby Reed in 2009. I'm trying to think of who that would have been. Um, well, Brandon Whedon would have been on that list. Alex Kate was on that list. Alex so, Kate. Yeah. I'm, I am not Alex Kate excited. I am Donovan Woods excited. So that's what I'm going to yeah. go with. Uh, great question there, Matt. Here's one from Gallery. I hope I said that right. With the addition of the new offensive line transfers, how do you feel about OSU's offense next season? And will any of the transfers start over existing players? Cameron. Yeah. Um, I don't know on starting for the offensive line. It's not my strong suit. For me, this, this kind of makes it – it makes it to where the offense just has to be better than what we saw last year. Like and I, the offense was fine last year. It was very, very average. And it got what we needed to get done because our defense was so good this year. It has to take a step. The defense isn't going to be the number two defense in the country. Pop probably <laughs> it would be awesome if it was, but um, for me, it kind of leaves no holes. It doesn't leave any excuse for, for Casey Dunn, we need to see a step there this year in consistency in what we're doing. Um, and I think it it just it it really evens out the team in a complete way to where there's not really any glaring weaknesses on this team going into this season. So for me, it makes me like, and I know we've said it, but get back to Dallas good on on offense and and it just has to take a step. It has to be better than what it was last year because we're not gonna we probably won't have that defense this year. Yeah, no, that's that's where I'm at too, Cameron. It and it's funny, some of these questions, you know, it 
everybody's mind is on the same thing. So you tend to repeat yourself a little bit, but I mean, I, I do think it changes a little bit about what this season can do. I mean, I, yeah. it was the number one, like problem area on the roster for me. It had been consistently since the moment last season ended yeah. and then transfers took place. So you've now filled that gap. I mean, and now it's like, okay, can the defense just hold up? Can they just be good? Yeah. They don't even have to be great. They just have to be good. And if they can be that, then, I feel really good about it. Yeah, no, I do too. I, I was, and I know it's recency bias. The the Fiesta Bowl was messing with my head. What we saw <laughs> from, from Spencer yeah. Sanders has had my expectations for the offense raised like crazy already. Well, um, but also at this point, there's there's not really any excuses across the board. Like everyone has to take that step, and having the offensive line be at least in a place where you feel secure. Every, it's got to happen this year. So it's got to, it definitely has to get better. And I, I think it's going to be. Normal. Well, the Fiesta Bowl is a great thing to bring up at this current moment. Like Oklahoma State is going to go more 10 and 11 personnel. They're, they're going to spread it out a little more, I think. I think they'd be foolish not to um, at least get, at least try that. And so um, I think based on what you saw in the Fiesta Bowl, plus the additions on the offensive line, the offensive line was good, not great against Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Frankly, Span Spencer was getting the ball out so fast that it, it didn't really matter. Um, yeah. And so that's not going to be the case in the Big 12. There's going to be a lot more familiarity there between opponents. I look at, I mean, of all of all schools, it's like this helps you against Baylor. Like, I, I think yeah. Baylor is the team that you need to be focused on as like, we got to go beat that that team because they're going to sure. be there in Dallas. That's what I think. So, yeah. no, I'm with you. Um. A couple similar ones from Zach Crow and Oakley Burrow. Um, I actually, I'm going to combine these. So thank you to, uh, for the questions. They're asking about uh, new turf. So what, if any changes should be made to the current design and why should it be putting cursive Cowboys logos in the end zone? Cameron, how about that? Let's go. That's yeah. awesome. I did not see that by the way. Now I've, <laughs> I know I exposed myself for reading the other question. Did not see that one. Um, it has to be Curse of Cowboys. It has to be. Oh, it would um, look so good. It would look amazing. Bright orange end zone, white Curse of Cowboys. It would look amazing. With a black trim on it? Is that where you're going? Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love it. I think I'm with you. And, and midfield stays the same as the OSU brand. Yeah. I, I would yeah. think, right? Yeah. Brand's got to stay. All right. Uh, Royal John OSU, friend of the pod, uh, at Wasted Optimism, has a question for you, Cameron. He says, for the younger, bright-eyed web, can you talk in detail about the moment you realized you wanted to be just like your big brother? If it's difficult to narrow down, that's completely understandable. So a top five big brothers are the true heroes. Admiration list will do. Cameron, the floor is yours. Oh, I got the moment. Um, oh, it was, and it's not really, it's not really that Cade was the hero in this because he was the villain. It's when I realized that I wanted to be as big as Cade. We were playing pickup basketball in my front yard and not in the yard, in the driveway. And we had notoriously bad driveways for basketball. They were always slanted and someone got to jump off of the high end and try to dunk on someone. And Cade was bigger than me. I thought I had that chance. So we played basketball on about an eight foot rim, right? Yeah. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. So eight, we and a half, eight and a half if we were trying to challenge ourselves a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, if we were trying to be more athletic. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, burn, so. burn a couple extra cows. For sure. Yeah, no. So I, I have the opportunity. I'm on the high ground. He's on the low ground. I rise up, try to jam on him and Cade swats all of it, gives me a little left elbow into the chest <laughs> and I fly into a rose bush full of thorns. And it was like, I was like just completely stuck where I was. And that's when I realized that I at least wanted to be as big as Kate and that I also wanted to block a dunk of Kate. Well, here's what's unfortunate, Cameron. That hadn't happened yet. Still bigger no, than you. It will never happen. It will never happen. <laughs> I, so. I regret to inform you, still just a little bigger than you. Um, just a little bit. A little but bit. yeah, that is, I knew there were two things I knew we were going to talk about. Like when I asked you to come on the podcast, it was the bag of turf and the rosebush incident. Um, and, and people talk about the rosebush incident to this day. It's not one I'm proud of. Um, the block was nasty, but I, I did not mean to shove dirty. you into the ground on a rosebush. And you did give it almost like 
you did look like a crime scene drawing. Like that's what you looked like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You looked like you had fallen. On the Zoom, you could see it. It was yeah. like, I was like, my one hand was pinned up high, one was down low, and I was absolutely stuck You looked there. like you had fallen out of a building. Like that's, that's what the, <laughs> the crime scene drawing would have looked like around you. So I'm not proud of it. I would say... I would say, and also, those are two moments that have shaped who I am, getting blocked into a rose bush and also grabbing, having the wherewithal to grab handfuls of turf while storming the field at age 12. That, and then I would add like the three chicken breast night when you were seven years old. Yeah, that was sick. Infamous, yeah. infamous yeah. night. If you want to know the yeah. specifics on that, you'll have to DM Cameron on Twitter. Um, yep. Another one from the 1012 network. He says, should the new Big 12 choose divisions or protected rivalries for football? And who should be OSU's protected rivals? That's interesting. So uh, when he says protected rivalries, I'm going to assume that the remaining six teams that you would play in conference rotate and you play these three every year. So Cameron, I've, I've kind of got an idea of this. I hate Texas Tech. I hate them. I do yeah. not like them. Um, I would put them at number one, but I think there's going to be like a quasi rivalry with Baylor. I mean, I, I think that those two teams, Oklahoma state and Baylor are going to be the class of the league going forward. Um, yeah. And then for me, another one would probably be Iowa state or TCU, but it just feels like you're forcing it a little bit. Like, I think I gotta, there's a genuine yeah. dislike between Texas tech and Baylor uh, from Oklahoma state. The easy number one is Baylor, and also Baylor is very unliked by a lot of people. So <laughs> end of sentence, very yeah, unliked so, end of sentence. So that's why Baylor leads the list. I have a dark horse, though, for you. Okay. I think – do you remember the Marcus Smart years, the years where we kept beating KU in basketball once a mm -hmm. season? I, I love those days. <laughs> yeah, those I, days were awesome. I, do you remember, do you remember those, them. those games got very chippy? And they that did rivalry, it, we, we beat KU enough to where they, I know a lot of KU guys. They, they're not huge fans of Oklahoma state. I could see that one being a, a slight interesting basketball rivalry. We have to get better to make it cool. But, yeah. Uh, well, they can get better at football one, first. Off, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. That's a good point. <laughs> but that's one that's off the radar for me. I still hate KU basketball because of, I, I don't even know why just a lot of memories in those, that era of games so yeah, KU is on low-key on my radar <laughs> I, I love it I it's gonna be weird with no OU or Texas um but I, I'm here for it I'm sick of them I don't need to play them ever again um yeah I, I will miss Texas more than I miss OU if that tells you anything um because I'll miss whooping up on Texas that's always yeah fun. for sure um well cool Cameron those are all of our Twitter questions here I've got two listener questions to send us home on one from Ross lawyer. So let's take a listen. Hey guys, it's Ross. Since Dustin is gone this week, this question is for Cade and Cade jr. Out of the three <laughs> incoming offensive line transfers that we have, which one of those guys do you think ends up starting and at what position? Thanks Ross. Appreciate it. And Cameron, that's, Kate Jr., I mean, that's that's a good compliment. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, for me, I think me and you might be on the same page. I think Prince Pines. Yeah, I think Prince has, Pines, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think he comes in for sure the right size and with the most experience. So I feel a little bit more comfortable with him than anyone else. But he's my pick. I, I think I'm with you, Cam. I, I'm i curious to see what Casey Collier does. He's an interesting prospect. Yeah. He looks like an he looks like Orlando Brown. So yeah. I am I'm interested yeah, to see he what does. he does. Prince Pines, though, looks the most ready from day one and fills the need that you know you have. You may not yeah. have a need at tackle right now. There might be guys on campus already that can fill that role. But I do think interior offensive line needs addressing. I think Prince Pines could compete for a starting spot. Now, the one thing we haven't talked about, these guys are coming in in the summer. So they're going to be a little bit behind. They're not going to sure. be in the playbook every day in the spring. So you, your offensive line on day one, like the interior might look the same 
uh, as it did last year. And then you've got a Caleb Etienne uh, and a Cole Birmingham split out at right tackle. So yep. it could look very familiar, but I, I think if there's one of those three that could start at some point next year, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Prince Pines as well. All right, Cameron, last question here for me. This was sent in by a very special guest. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Bobby. <laughs> it's Olivia. It's Olivia. We have one more question. Have one more question. Who will OSU get from the transfer portal? A junior papa. Um, say bye. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. That is awesome. That one... Uh... That one got me in the heart there. Um, <laughs> that's obviously my wife and daughter there, my my two and a half year old daughter, light of my life. Um, we've talked about the transfer portal ad nauseum, but uh, she she wanted to tell you hi, Kim. That's that was her message. Yeah, to you. and and my answer to Olivia, we're gonna get Sean McNeil. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll be sure to let her know. We just we yeah. just had dinner. She did just go down for for bed, so I'll have to tell her in the morning as we're having dinner. yeah. As we're having a, a banana muffin with peanut butter in it. That's like her big thing right now. It's a little weird. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Cameron, I, it was such a good time having you on the podcast, man. It was a blast. Dude, it was awesome. I appreciate you having me uh, to all the feels like 45ers out there. Thank you for having me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I know the, the analytical side of things definitely dipped this week with no Dustin, but if you had a problem with that, let, you have to dm dustin and let him know that because this is his fault so yeah yeah for sure no cameron you filled in admirably i uh it's always easy talking osu sports with you and uh, again it was an easy phone call and i was like i think it's gonna be cam i think that's who we need to have on the podcast so uh to all the listeners hope you guys uh enjoyed getting to know him cameron don't be a stranger we will have you on again and uh hopefully with dustin and maybe one of these days i mean we spend enough time us three together in the in the fall uh maybe maybe we do like a live uh pod or Dude. something or like a twitter spaces from from iron monk or something that'd be pretty fun. anytime anytime you guys want me on i'm down all right, brother. Love you. I will see you this weekend. And uh, as always, if you aren't already following us on Twitter, follow us at feels like 45 pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. And I've tweeted out Cameron's Twitter. I don't necessarily know if he wants you to be following him though. Like, I don't know if he wants it out there. So you can follow it. I probably won't tweet. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the key difference between Cameron and I, the hair yeah. and I tweet way more than he does. Um, those are the, that's really it though. Um, the charming, the charming it. wit, uh, that is a common denominator for sure. Pretty consistent across the board. That's right. All right, Cameron. I, I love you, man. Good to have you on the podcast. Yeah. I will see you this weekend. We'll talk to you then. Go. Pokes. Love you too, man. See you.